presenting here the 22nd um, Cheshbon, uh, sort of place of taking good accounting about uh, the, the connection of Torah and life, uh, discussing the fundamental mitzvah and midah of Avas Yisrael. He starts off that a person should take an accounting with regard to the situations in life where he is working together with other people in matters that are beneficial for the world, plowing, planting, that are of a uh, good productive nature, where people have to help each other, business, buying, selling. There is opportunity for good interaction between people who will be productive together. And uh, he directs us that we should want for our fellow man everything that they want for ourselves, reject and uh, not want, just want everything that we would not want for ourselves. Uh, um, and we should have compassion on them and try to prevent any harm from coming to them. Fulfill with all of this the great mitzvah of loving one's fellow Jew as oneself. Says the Chavos he should make for himself a marshal. Give himself creative parable for himself. Um, what marshal is he recommending? A situation of a group of people that are traveling to a distant land or trying to travel to a distant land in a very uh, challenging kind of terrain, mountainous terrain, rocky winding roads where they have to camp many times along the way till they get there. They have many animals that are laden with um, great burdens, a lot of merchandise that they're trying to transport. And the people are very few in number. It would seem like maybe they miscalculated the number of people that they need in this expedition. So there are a lot of animals, a lot of merchandise, very few people. And they have to do a lot of loading and unloading. So it's a challenging situation, to say the least. So the Chavos Lovis continues. If they'll help each other to load and unload, and their desire will be for the welfare of all, and they'll want to make it easier for one another as much as possible, they'll want all to receive full degree of help that everybody should be sort of equally helped in, in this venture. Then they'll reach the best good result. But if their hearts will be divided and they won't be able to agree to one plan, 
They won't be able to agree on one plan together. And each one will try to help only himself. Then most of them will weary, will falter, will, simply speaking, not be able to continue on this journey. They'll have to turn back. Maybe they'll even have to abandon their, their possessions. But at the very least, they will not be able to make it to the destination. Okay, that's, that's good for starters. We can pause here. Um, so I'm going to try to go first, and then I'll open up the floor to all good questions that can be asked here. Um, so I want to start with one basic assumption, which um, I hope you'll agree, but you can let me know if you don't agree. And that is that when any of our great sages, whether it's Kazal and Medrish, or you know, like here the Chovos Lavavos, or even in later generations, like we find in the Chovitz Chaim, where a mushal is being given to explain a certain concept. The purpose of the mushal is not just, uh, you know, to give us a little good feeling about it. It's to help us understand something for which we need the mushal to help us grasp the concept. Some kind of a, of a, of a, abstract concepts that needs the real life example to be able to really understand it correctly. And the question is, is that what the Chobos Lavavos is doing here on the surface? On the surface, it seems like he's presenting a quite unique kind of a life situation, not the everyday situation, where if they have that good dedication to one another, there will be a good outcome. And if everybody will just try to be working on on his own, most of them will not be successful. He seems to be focusing on the, the end result and the, the effect of whether there is that good dedication, helping one another, or if it's lacking. So if the Chavos Lovers would want to give us an idea of the benefits of this midah, and if you'd want to show one example and try to use that as a prototype, which wouldn't be so simple altogether because it's quite a unique kind of situation. But if you would be trying to give us an idea how that good dedication one to another winds up helping us even in a very practical sense. Besides the great spiritual achievement of the mitzvah, the midah, of Amos Yisrael, it also is practically beneficial. And it can really, it can really make a big difference in certain life situations. Okay, then we understand that's uh, is giving us an example, a clear example, how that dedication one to another can really produce a much better outcome than if everybody is just focused on themselves. But that doesn't seem to be what he's trying to do here. 
is trying to give us a marshal to, under, to understand something that we need help and understanding. So how is that the case? And along the similar lines, after all, in that situation, would seem simply, what is spelling the difference between success and failure? Simply, it's something very practical. If, if they're pooling their, their talents and their efforts together, they're working together, teamwork, you know, one helping the other, it's more efficient, it's more effective, it's more successful. What somebody can do, you know, as a, as a member of a team, two working together is much more than just somebody well on his own, trying to load, unload. It's, uh, it's taxing. It's exhausting. We have two people, even, even if there are some that are stronger, but they still can get some help from the weaker ones. Together, the sum total of their effort and their energy will be used the best way. That seems to be, again, something like very practical, very just technical. If you work together, you have better effectiveness. There's some situations where teamwork is more effective than trying to go on your own. So how is that showing us the equality all that it could show us is if they have that willingness to help each other, like he already presented that we should try to have in all situations in life. If they have that willingness, then they'll be able to work together and uh, have the best good results. So at most, again, it would be just showing us a situation where it really is worthwhile to have that good caring one for another, where it really will make a difference. And again, it's not so simple that this is really something that could apply to ordinary life situations because that's a very extreme situation. So they're able to see from there that in regular daily life, also we need that, may not even be so simple. So it's a little bit um, unclear. I think, I think it's safe to say it's not so clear how the Chavos Alvavos is helping us to understand that great principle of Abbas Yisrael through this mushal. And even, you could even ask the question, do we really even need a mushal? Is there something that we don't understand about Abbas Yisrael? Is, isn't it quite, uh, quite simple, quite basic? We should love every Jew. Every Jew is so so great, so exalted, so beloved by Hashem. Of course, we should recognize that. We should try to get in touch with that. We should respond to that. We should act in such a manner. We should care for our fellow Jews. So, so precious, so cherished by Hashem. Such innate, infinite value. So what are we lacking in understanding that we need the mashal to help us? Okay, does any of this make sense so far? I will I kindly request any and all reactions. <laughs> yeah, can I go kind ahead, of go ahead? So the 
The second question you asked, which is on the most recent in my mind, is why do we need the mashal at all? Right. Um, which is made greater by the how is the mashal helping? Or vice versa. Right. The concept of the after Echa if I were to see before I walked into this year, I would say is be a decent person. You know, at least at least one aspect of it. Okay, it's not good. necessarily for self gain, but he's right. saying that it's a muscle of self gain because everybody gains. When we work together, we accomplish more. Um, and is that really what it is? And what do we need a muscle to teach it to us? So I think that those two things are really the answer to each other. <laughs> oh, don't say it. <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, okay, well, even if you realize it. I would ask you not to, um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fill out any answers just yet, so that everybody can have a chance to think. <laughs> I'm still thinking. If that's okay, I'm still thinking. Right now, right now, I just want to make sure that anything that I presented makes sense to somebody, and that already helped me. And um, if you have any questions of your own, you can feel free. Okay. Um, I, I have a couple more. Can I just share Rock one thing? Go Please. right ahead. Just a drop louder so I can hear you. Sure. Good evening. Good evening. Just one one thought I had. First, I was reading this piece, as you suggested, very slowly, and I wasn't really able to make much sense of it. But just one thought I just had was yes. that one may think that, uh, that doing good for another person comes at a cost, comes at his cost, meaning it's a, uh, what's it called? The cost benefit. Well, what's that? Right. Right. Uh, uh, it's not a zero sum, whatever, whatever that's called, right? Meaning, when right. if I if I spend a hundred dollars on you, so now I have a hundred dollars less, and you have a hundred dollars more, right? So it yeah. could be that that one may think that uh, you have to. One may think that caring for another person would would also be similar, right? Meaning where where my where, where when I sacrifice for another person, that's my loss and his gain, Kamash Malan, that it's a zero sum gain. That's a, that's just a random thought I had. That's a, well, that's very that's very 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 helpful thought. In other words, it seems like Mechavos that he's trying to encourage us towards this uh, good quality by helping us to realize we're not going to be losing out. There's going to be good benefit for everybody in certain or many situations and if you would have presented that and if you would say that this is a great mitzvah great obligation and don't think that you're going to be losing no on the contrary it's all good it's all gain <laughs> or at least in many situations there's very significant gain so it's really worth it it's good to have this midah in place in case you'll be in that wilderness situation you'll be able to employ it and everybody will make it through and it really will come out helping you. Then I understand. But that doesn't seem to be what he's doing. It's, this is a muscle. Give yourself a muscle to grasp this concept. Good evening, Moshe. How are things sounding to you so far, Moshe? I don't mean to put you on the spot. I just can't resist. Sounds good. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm not. I don't know. I, I view muscle as just like 
<laughs> well, I don't know. It's not. Okay, I'm not going to fight with you now about that. Okay, okay. <laughs> if you grant me, if you grant me my assumption that a, that that a muscle is intended to help us to get in on the wavelength of something that is not simple, then um, then then I think you would agree that there is a question here. I lost the thread. I'll be honest. I, I said if you if you would grant that a muscle to help us grasp a concept that is not easy to understand fully and correctly, then I think you would agree that is a question here. <laughs> okay, I'll let you think about it. Can I ask you a question? The, yes. Are you sure? Could you tell me, could you summarize for me the first paragraph of the Chov of us? The first paragraph was encouraging us in our um, daily worldly affairs, matters that are in the sense of a productive, worldly productive nature that are essentially being done for the sake of a person's own livelihood, but they have that ability to be productive in a larger scale where people are helping one another, need to help one another, that I should approach it in a manner of one right, that's not English. That's, that's not English. <laughs> okay, should I try? Sure. Right. Could you pretend that you were asked to summarize this first paragraph? Yes, I could try to do that. I don't need an exact thing, but just summarize because I don't know what is being said. What is he saying? The words are: when you are involved in your daily affairs where you are interacting with other people, you should approach it with wanting them to have everything good from you like you would want to receive from them. And that so basically, when you do business, right? Right. When you do business, like you, wanna, you, should, you want a good product, right? Instead of, give a fair price. Like normally, normally business, right, requires that... Uh, a good deal means, generally means, that I am getting, there's normally a winner and a loser, right? For example, when uh, when you buy a stock, right, there's a winner and a loser. Did the stock go up later, the stock go down later, right? Okay. So normally there is a winner and a loser, right? He's saying do business and you should want to benefit the other person as much as you'd want to benefit yourself. So when you do business, don't view it, don't view it that you are on unequal ground. View it that you're on equal ground. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily even taking it that far, which I could hear, you know, there's a place for that. All that I saw is whatever I would want to receive from that other person, I would want them to be, you know, very honest with me very alert to my needs, okay? As much as I can reasonably be expecting or hoping yeah. for myself. Yeah, one more time, one more time. I'm selling corn, okay? I'm selling, right. I'm selling, I'm selling a thousand kilos of corn to Ruvain, right? Right. Right, right. that, I'm in, I'm in the business of selling corn. What? Right. Before the Chosav Abbas came along, you would think what? Right. And he's saying what? That, 
you know, essentially, um, I'm focused on my needs and not really thinking about the other person too much. I'm not going to. Well, not gonna, I'm not thinking about the other person at all, right? I'm selling. Right. I'm right. selling. He's buying, right? right? Again, it's right. not. There's not. I'm not thinking about him. But I'm not thinking about me. I'm doing business. I'm selling something. He's buying something, right? There's no. Okay, so then when maybe, you do that, right? But there, there are right. probably some gray areas, but. Okay, let's say in that deal, you know, I can make sure to have it there for him on time. I can make sure it's packaged well. I can make sure that what whatever I would whatever I would hope to receive from him that he'll pay me on time, that he'll that he'll give me, you know, good currency, etc. There's no such thing. Whatever your obligations are, you do. Whatever you don't have to do, you don't have to do. I don't Whatever the contract says you should do, you you must. If it's Can not the contract, suggestion? you don't have to. I... Can I make a suggestion? Um, I don't know about that. No, like, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Would it be accurate to say that if I was selling corn and it yeah. cost me a dollar a bushel to grow, and I normally sell it for $80 a bushel, right. um, and I make a nice profit off of it. Yeah. But in the, maybe what he's saying is that if I know that the person who's buying from me, his profit margins are much narrower, then I would come bring my price down a little bit so that he can make also a decent profit off of it. Even though in the strictly business world, I would extract the highest margin and therefore the highest price that I could out of the customers on a simply simple uh, supply and demand. But here it's, if I was in his shoes, I'd want him to give me a chance to make a better Parnassa so I'd like to, I would do the same thing for him. As long as we're all making money, we're all happy, obviously, yeah. but I don't have to do it at the expense of him as opposed to, is, is this what he's saying? I, I hear that very well. And I, I will ask Ari, can you identify in your own mind places where you treat your employees well and not only because um, you're hoping that because of that, they're going to work better for your company? But you really respect them as people and you want to do good by them that they should be successful in their role in your company. To the extent, I'll to bet you the do. extent that I have space, to the extent that I have space, yeah, right, and I, and I don't view them as objects, right, which, which comes, which is novea from the extent that I view myself as an object. So, okay. Okay. On a on a day when I am dilated and yeah. more human, okay. I would I would view my employees as more humans also. Right, and you'd be able to think like, what can make them feel respected in the company? What can make them feel valued? What can make them be able to be more productive and develop their talents better? And you would find a way to give them th those interactions and those opportunities. It's very hard because I mean, like, see, and he doesn't have to go into business. Generally, right, the human is very self-focused. Okay. Right? Okay. So I'm not sure why he picks, per se, situations of business, agriculture, commerce, developing the world. That maybe something. The most common that. things everyone deals with. I don't think he means to exclude all other human interactions or even spiritual interactions, but there could be something unique about. The material world development that has a role to play here. 
Again, I go back to what I was saying before that that in business is a winner and a loser, right? Generally, it's everyone's out for themselves. But 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 isn't it true that the best kind of business is where it's win-win? And who's going to want to you know continue to be your customer? Somebody feels that you know they're the loser when you're the winner, or somebody feels that you're winning together. I happen to have a business where we win together because, okay, right? Because I, I only get on, I only get paid if they get paid. So <laughs> okay, so then you're lucky. Is, but if somebody has a choice, Chavos Lovos is saying that the right way to go about, and he's going to get more into this later. We'll see, you know, how far we get. But um, he, he's going to get more into this and how there could be a very, very different kind of approach in a very large scale kind of way. Whether a person is essentially self-focused or essentially not. It's just, Rebbe, you have to let Recha Kamocha. Hold on. You should. Uh, we, I just want to say that we view that in a very gashmiistic way, which, I, which is 100% wrong, obviously. What do you mean by that? Our love for ourselves, if it's a guy, if it's if it's if it's object love, right? Then really, then really, we don't even love ourselves, right? And if we don't really love ourselves, so you can't, right? Really, really, we're ashamed by ourselves. So, how do you do the aflarecha kamocha? Alibi. That's for sure. Yeah, there has to be a good self concept first. Oh, right, right. But that, but then that, we can try to expand. Exactly, exactly. So, so, so the Kamocha is, is talking about the expansion? Yes. We're, because we're, all I'm saying is simply we look at it like, oh, do what the others, we want to be done to yourself. That's like, that's like, that's like second grade, I'm sorry. Okay. So we, we definitely don't want something that's only of second grade nature, not to uh, disregard even that, uh, you know, most a simple form of Avasi Israel, but we could be quite confident that Chavos is trying to direct us and teach us something. Yeah, because I, what I'm saying is generally, generally what we want is Gashmi. It's not, that's, that's all I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, if, we, if, we, if we really give it some thought, I think we may find that um, there are a lot of things that are very important to us that are not only Gashmi and not only a very... Um, Sort of simplistic. Gashmi, maybe. By the way, Gashmi, I don't mean, I don't mean by Gashmi, I don't mean uh, pleasure. I just mean. Okay. I don't mean, I don't mean Gashmi in terms of physical. I just mean in terms of, I just mean in terms of Homer. That's, that's what I'm saying. Well, what's Homer other than, than physical and pleasure? I don't think. Okay, because like this one. One could get Homer from learning, also, right? Again, it's good, it's better that, but it's still vital. Like, your, your learning could also be very self focused and how it relates to your identity, right? Okay, so I think it's safe to say, I think it's pretty safe to say, um, that uh, the uh, life situations are being given to us to use to achieve something that's really spiritual. 
they may be like certain like starting points. It's interesting, even the Chavos Halvavos where he describes it, he starts off in Yazru Zelazet. They'll help each other. And then he continues, and their desire will be for the welfare of all and to make it easy for them and that they should be equal. I would have thought it would go the other way around. He should first talk about their desires. If they want everybody to be helped, if they want to make it easy, and then they help each other, then they'll be successful. But he starts off, if they'll help each other, and then talking about the desires and the, the wish that everyone should be helped and be able to succeed and made easier for them. That's a subtle point. And another point that I would raise is like the whole order seems to be incorrect. If we were writing it, I think we would first write what things would be like in a not good way if we're not helping each other. To try to just be alone, doing everything by yourself, then most of them will not be successful. But, but if they do care for each other and they are dedicated and they are helping each other, then they'll succeed. But Thomas Lovers writes it the other way around. He first writes the good situation. If they will be helping each other, if they'll be caring for each other, then they'll reach the best situation. And if they're divided, can't reach one plan, then most will be exhausted. But why is he putting like the failed situation after he really wrote the good one? It's a little bit curious. This is like a subtle, another subtle observation. I'm also wondering about why he's focusing on they cannot agree on one plan. That was really all about. They cannot agree on one plan. That's what's really the cause of the failure. Their hearts are divided. They can't agree on one plan. If, if, if they're really not concerned for each other, not really committed to each other, they don't really want to help each other, the ones that are they're thinking, I could do this on my own. That's the problem. But he describes it as they cannot agree on one plan. Seems like like making this like a major focus. That seems to be just like a detail. Okay. One, one, one of the ways it'll play out if they're not really caring for each other is that they won't be able to make a good plan together. Seems almost like they were trying. They were trying to make a plan. But they cannot agree on one plan together. Then they split apart. And I wonder what that's all about. Okay, I don't want to go too long, but um, I'd like to make a start of just the next paragraph. Because there's something, just the beginning of the next paragraph, that's also very not simple. And when I tried to learn it before, I never even really tried to approach this. It was too sort of like mysterious, too, too out of reach. Talks about, for this reason, for the same reason, like he just said, of how this expedition might fail, for the same reason, life 
on earth is extremely difficult for most people. The world is heavy upon its inhabitants. And the, and the effort they have to put in is doubled, is, is exponentially increased. Why? Because they want their success to be all for themselves. Seems quite extreme. I want to be misyachet in their chilek. I want my share to be all for myself. I can't imagine it means that they will not give any charity, they will not help anybody else. There's some kind of a mindset. I want it to be all mine. And then he continues that they want more than the share that Hashem has assigned for them in the world. They want more than their divinely ordained chilek. And because they're striving to reach enormous kind of a success beyond what was intended for them in Hashemayim, which they, they must have some kind of a sense of that, like they're striving for something that could very well be not what Hashem has apportioned to them. Then the world is designed in a way to make it extremely difficult for them even to gain their basic portion. Why are you, Rabbi, why are you going right there from what he said? He said he wants it all for himself. And you're saying it's not just self, it's also above his uh, a lot of event. Why are you taking that a step further? Then he continues to be Yosem Mechukai. They want to be Mishyachet with their Chalik, and they want Yosem Mechukai. And the first says more than the amount that Hashem has decreed for them. And that's but we don't know what Hashem is. He continues. He says because they want more than their more than their Chalik, more than their Chalik, Big Shur Shalolahem. Therefore, the world held back from them their share. Meaning, Lashgach is of such a nature that when I'm striving to gain more than what I'm intended to receive, that even what I'm supposed to be receiving becomes extremely difficult. So this is very perplexing because we understand there's a concept of not having tremendous desire for money, for worldly pleasure, is that one concept as Avas Yisrael? Can a person not be Sameh Bechelkoi, not be accepting Hashem's decree for him and trusting that whatever Hashem wants him to have is what's his benefit, unless he has Avas Yisrael? How, is, how are these two things like one, one flip side of the other? Either he's devoted to his fellow Jew, wants him to have everything good that I want, or I go off somewhere into this tremendous, avaricious approach of wanting enormous success, more than what's ordained for me, wanting to have it all for myself. It's like, like some kind of a bizarre extreme. Or certainly it's a, it's, a, it's a different kind of an area in a person's whole spiritual life. They're able to trust Hashem as opposed to wanting more and more, not being satisfied, having grandiose goals. And yet he's somehow putting it together. And he continues with that, but it seems like here, as if like this is one, it's one thing for the same reason people are 
looking for more than what they really need, more than what they're supposed to be having, wanting it all for themselves, and that's why they're so unhappy. So there's got to be some kind of a connection here. I don't know if you could say obvious connection, but some kind of a very understandable connection. That uh, for the same reason as the failure in that wilderness expedition, people are failing in life. So many people. So that's the question. What is this really all about? Does that question make sense to anybody? I'm not going to say if you had the question. I'm just asking if you hear the question. <laughs> but would anybody have thought that obviously Israel is directly connected with um, being Samir Bechelka? With being Whatever, but can I? But can I? Uh, sure. Can I Please, please, by all means. Yeah, the issue with Samach Bechelko is uh, is if I if I mistakenly view my as a part of him and they define they define me they define him as opposed to merely they're just something that I'm carrying but me and you are the same except I'm carrying a one pound uh, bag and you're carrying a eight ounce bag but to the extent that one views it that it defines him so how could he be when he feels less than everyone else You can only be Mesamech Bechelko if you view possessions properly, which is if you view that which you have properly, which the proper way of viewing it is, that is totally outside of you. Did that answer the question? I hear that. I hear that. Well, that's a very, that's a very uh, helpful point. That makes a lot of sense. Um, th- that yeah, if I am looking at my possessions as defining myself, then I'm going to need a lot more. That's for sure. It'll be much harder to be some misameach, whatever Hashem has portioned out to me. Um, yeah, my whole self-concept will be damaged, and it will be dependent on these external things. But my question still will be: How is this a continuation of what we started from? We started from no, caring for my fellow Jew, wanting to give him everything good, like I want for myself. Um, so again, I can't, I, I, I can't hit the nail on the head, but the vague connection is, the vague connection is that it's all, to the extent that we're magashim everything, ourselves, our possessions, and they, and they become mixed up as, as to one. That makes barriers. 
that makes a barrier between people, right? Meaning because because this guy, this guy's bigger than another person because he has more, and this guy is is smaller than another person because he has less, or this guy has this guy is bigger than another person because whatever reason, right? He's better, more beautiful, whatever. I don't know, whatever it may be. So, so if one views the world that way, so then, so then his, uh, the way he relates to other people is in a competitive way. And then such a person can't be Mesameach Bechalko either, because there's always some, there's always somebody that has something more, right? There's always somebody that has another piece. Again, I can't hit it out the head. No, no, these, these are good ideas. They're good ideas. I think uh, we should we should try to uh, take them in, think them over, along with um, some of the other questions, and just try to, at the, the best we can, um, read it over and try to um, envision that, that whole muscle as much as we can in a very real personal way. And see what we might discover. And Amir Tashem will uh, continue. Have a very good night.